diffraction and interference. In terms of prior knowledge, you need to be aware of the wave nature of light from the previous chapter and particularly in the way that waves add together according to the principle of superposition of waves. The learning objectives in this chapter, you need to learn how the wave nature of light causes diffraction and interference effects and you will calculate the magnitude of these effects. Now let us look at interference. When people talk about interference affecting the reception, they usually mean the unwanted noise on a radio receiver or some crackling on a mobile phone. In physics, the word interference has a much more precise meaning. Interference is the effect produced when two sets of waves that have a constant phase difference are added together. You can see an example of interference of light on the surface of the bubble. The effect, the different colors that you see on the bubbles is due to the interference of light waves of identical wavelength on the reflection from the bubble surface. Now remember that two similar waves may add together, that is reinforced to make a double height wave or add together so as to cancel each other. So the interference is a particular example of the superposition of waves. The principle states that the resultant displacement caused when two waves overlap is equal to the vector sum of the displacements from each individual wave. The principle applies to all electromagnetic waves as well as the sound waves. Electromagnetic waves can be added together at any point in space, even though they may have come from different directions. Superposition will result in a steady interference pattern if the waves have the same frequency and constant phase difference. Suppose that your home is between two television transmitters which are broadcasting in phase on the same frequency. The total signal strength that you receive is the sum of two separate waves. If the waves arrive in phase, you will receive a stronger signal. If the waves arrive out of phase, you will receive a weaker signal. Although the waves may be in the phase when they leave the transmitter, the phase difference between them when they arrive at your house depends on how far each wave has traveled. In particular, the total signal strength will depend on the path difference between the waves, that is the difference in the distance traveled by each wave. When the path difference is zero or a whole number of wavelengths, lambda, 2 lambda, 3 lambda, 4 lambda or up till n lambda where n is 0, 1, 2, an integer, the waves will be exactly in phase and will add together to give a larger wave. This is called constructive interference. When the path difference is an odd number of half wavelengths, half lambda, 3 by 2 lambda or 1 by and a half lambda, 5 by 2 lambda or 2 and a half lambda, and so on up till n plus one and a half lambda where n is an integer, then destructive interference occurs since the waves will arrive in antiphase. It would be inconvenient to have strips of the country where there was very poor TV or radio reception because of destructive interference. Therefore, adjacent transmitters ensures that the waves cannot interfere by using either slightly different frequencies or different polarizations. Now let's look at interference and sound. Sound waves are also added together according to the principle of superposition. 
but persistent interference patterns are only seen or heard in special circumstances. Two loudspeakers playing an identical sound, a note of the same frequency and about the same amplitude, would allow us to observe regions of silence and of louder sound. Sources that produce waves of the same frequency that maintain a constant phase difference are said to be coherent. The apparatus that is shown in the figure will produce an interference pattern that can be observed with a microphone with regions of silence, which is interference minima, where destructive interference is cancelling out the waves. The distance between these regions, let's call them W, will depend on, first, the wavelength of the sound wave, that is lambda, the distance between the speakers, represented by the small letter S, and the distance between the speakers and the microphone, represented by the capital letter D. It can be shown that the separation of two adjacent interference minima, or between two adjacent maxima, is W equals lambda times D divided by S. This is often called the two-source interference formula. The same analysis applies to any two waves of the same type, such as two light waves or two water waves, provided the waves are coherent. In light interference, the bands of maxima and minima produced are called fringes, and W is the fringe separation. Let's look at a worked example. So if two loudspeakers placed two meter apart, having playing a sound wave of 400 hertz, how far apart would the interference maxima be? So we know that the wavelength of the sound waves is lambda equals c by f, where c is the speed of the sound, let's say 330 meters per second. So lambda equals 330 divided by 400, which is 0.83 meters. If we observe the interference pattern at a distance of 5 meters from the speakers, the separation of the adjacent maxima will be W equals lambda D by S. Putting in the values, we get 2.1 meters. Now let's look at the interference and the nature of light. It seems strange to suggest that, you know, adding two beams of light together can lead to darkness. And yet under some circumstances, this is possible. The interference of light is one of the main pieces of evidence for the wave theory of light. This theory has not always been accepted. Isaac Newton suggested that light was made up of tiny solid particles, which he called corpuscles. His theory was an educated guess and the one that he did not defend strongly, although he used it successfully to explain the reflection and refraction of light. The case for the wave nature of light was first put convincingly by Thomas Young, a polymath who made, an import, who made important advances in the study of light, materials, mathematics, music theory, and languages. Young demonstrated that light could form an interference pattern by putting hairs or silk threads in front of an illuminated slit. Supporters of the corpuscle theory could not explain this interference pattern. Young's double-slit experiment is still used to demonstrate the wave nature of light. The experiment also allows us to calculate the wavelength of the light. It is normally very difficult to see interference effects with white light because of several reasons. First, the wavelengths are so small, they are about 500 nanometer on average. 
This means that the interference fringes are usually too close together to be discernible. Second, the range of colors in the white light blurs the interference effects. So the destructive interference for one color is masked by the presence of other colors. And third reason is that it is very difficult to get white light sources that maintain a constant phase difference. Light is emitted in very short bursts, which have random phase and random polarization. So to show that any stable and detectable interference effect, the sources of light waves need to be coherent. That is, they need to be first the same frequency of constant phase difference and polarized in the same plane. Coherence can be achieved by using monochromatic light, that is, light of a single frequency. The constant phase is achieved by using two different parts of the same wave, possibly by allowing the wave to pass through two slits. The two waves will spread out or diffract as they pass through the narrow gaps and so overlap. Each slit then acts as a point source of waves. The resulting interference system is the same as that for two point sources in a ripple tank of water or the sound waves from two loudspeakers. You cannot see the ripples in the electromagnetic field, but you can detect the effect when the waves hit a screen or a detector. Constructive interference produces a bright fringe, while destructive interference produces a dark fringe. The formula that relates the wavelength to the spacing of the interference fringes is just the same as that for sound waves. So how many fringes, like let's look at an example, how many fringes per millimeter would be visible with the screen at a distance capital D of one meter using a slit separation of one millimeter and a yellow light of 500 nanometers wavelength. Now we know the formula W equals delta D by S and then putting in the appropriate values as given in the problem, we get the W, the value of W to be 500 into 10 to the power minus six meter or 0 0.5 millimeter. So there would be two fringes per millimeter. So now here are some questions that you can try out. So all electromagnetic waves show the same sort of pattern of two source interference, but the spacing of fringes varies enormously. Can you think about why this may be the case? Suggest two ways of increasing fringe separation for the same color of light in a two slits experiment. Another question, more numerical, two radio transmitters are one kilometer apart. Both transmit a three megahertz radio wave. The waves are coherent. A. If a car moves along a road parallel to the line joining the transmitters, how will the received signal change? B. If the road is 10 km from the transmitters, how far apart will positions of maximum reception be? Now, it's important to know that you can do some investigations for uh, two-source interference in water, waves, microwaves, as well as sound. So the interference pattern caused by two coherent sources is the same for all types of waves. In this assignment, you can investigate this interference pattern in three different types of wave and apply the two source wave formula. That is W equals lambda D divided by S in each case. Now let's look at the water waves. So water waves can be made to interfere in a ripple tank. Two dippers fixed to an oscillating beam act as two sources of circular waves. 
The waves can be best observed by projecting the pattern onto a whiteboard using an overhead projector. The interference pattern in the ripple tank is projected onto the whiteboard where the readings can be taken. Lines where the waves cancel each other out can be clearly seen. The vertical line drawn on the whiteboard represents the screen where the fringes are observed. The wavelength can be adjusted by changing the speed of the motor that drives the oscillating beam. Now some questions for this investigation. First, describe how the interference pattern will change when the wavelength is reduced. Second, describe how moving the dippers closer together affects the interference pattern. Number three, you can use the readings taken from the screen to calculate the wavelength using lambda equals WS by capital D. Now suppose that the capital D is 2 meters, S is 30 centimeter and W equals 0.5 meter. What would the wavelength be? And second, how would you check your answer using a handheld mechanical stroboscope? Now let us look at sound waves. Sound waves can be made to interfere using two loudspeakers. You can use a sound level meter or a suitable app on your smartphone to find areas of maximum or minimum sound. Alternatively, you could use your ear. It makes it easier if you put your finger gently in the other ear. So some questions for this investigation. Describe how the frequency of the note played by the loudspeaker affects the spacing of the quiet patches. Second question. What measurements would you need to take to be able to calculate the speed of the sound in air from this experiment? And how would you reduce the uncertainty in your measurements? Next question. In one run of the experiment, the speakers were placed 2 meters apart and the signal generator was set at 1 kilohertz. A sound level meter placed 6 meters away from the speakers detected quiet patches, known as interference minima, about 1 meter apart and use these figures to calculate the speed of sound in air. And now for the third investigation for the microwaves. Microwaves can be used to produce a two-source interference pattern. The transmitter needs to be far enough away to illuminate both slits. The receiver is usually connected to an amplifier with a loudspeaker so that the maxima can be heard. An oscilloscope can be used instead of a loudspeaker so that the maxima can be seen. The receiver is moved along a line parallel to the metal barriers. As it is moved, a series of interference maxima and minima should be detected. The question on this is, how would you use the apparatus in the figure to find the wavelength of the microwaves? Now let's look at the interference in the context of stationary waves. So we discussed stationary waves in the previous chapter and they are an example of a two-source interference. In a stationary wave, two waves are traveling in the opposite directions, often caused by one wave and its reflection. When the incoming wave and the reflected wave travel along the same line, the interference can set up a stationary wave. Stationary waves can cause problems for the portable TVs, radios and phones. The signal can change when people walk around the room or the cars drive past. These problems occur because of the interference between the incoming wave and its reflections from people or objects. The problem is much greater when there is a metal surface nearby, such as a car body, which acts as a good reflector.
So anti-nodes are positions of constructive interference separated by a distance lambda by 2. Nodes are positions of destructive interference also separated by lambda by 2. Mobile phones operate on a wide range of wavelengths, but a typical value is 30 cm. If there was a stationary wave caused by reflections in a room, just moving 7.5 cm could move you from an antinode to a node. More problematic is the Wi-Fi reception from a wireless router. Fortunately, there is now an app to map the Wi-Fi signal in your house, and it should be possible to avoid the nodes. So looking at the key ideas, superposition is the vector addition of waves. Coherent wave sources are needed for superposition to result in an observable interference pattern. Coherent waves are the waves of same frequency that have a constant phase difference. For complete cancellation, the waves also need to have the same amplitude and in the case of transverse wave, the same polarization. Two sources with the same phase will interfere constructively where the path difference is a whole number of wavelengths. Destructive interference will occur for an odd number of wavelengths. The fringe separation in two-source interference, for example, Young's double-slit experiment, is given by the equation W equals lambda capital D divided by S. Now here are some questions. Explain why a mobile phone conversation sometimes fades as you walk around the house. Now the television aerials have a reflector and a short distance from their active aerial element. So just two reasons for this. Next question. A television with an outdoor aerial is found to suffer from a fluctuating signal when an aircraft flies over. Explain why this might happen. Next question. Wi-Fi usually operates at a frequency of 2.4 GHz. Interference between reflected waves could lead to standing waves in a room. How far apart would any nodes be? Now here is an interesting challenge for you uh, to understand the interference in thin films. So about 4% of the light that hits a transparent glass surface at 90 degrees to the surface is reflected. This can be reduced by coating the lens with a thin layer of a material such as magnesium fluoride or a metal oxide. This gives rise to a second reflection from the lens, one from the coating and one from the glass. It is destructive interference between these two reflected waves that reduces the amount of reflected light. The coating has to have a thickness equal to one quarter of the wavelength of light so that the light reflected from the glass surface has traveled half a wavelength further than that reflected from the surface of the coating. It is not possible to make a coating that is correct thickness for all wavelengths of light. If we choose to make the lens non-reflective in the middle of the optical range, say 550 nanometer, which is yellow, it will only exactly work for that particular wavelength. And some wavelengths will still be reflected. If the incident light is white, the reflected white will be deficient in yellow and will be richer in red and blue light, and the lens will look purple. So the questions that have is, oil films on water appear colored when they are viewed in white light. This is due to constructive interference. Explain with the help of a diagram why the colored fringes appear. Second question. Research the other examples of this thin film interference. 
You may want to write a brief article describing your chosen examples, making sure you explain why the effect effects occur. Useful search phrases include interference effect in soap bubbles, oil fins on water, tempering metals, beetles, and Newton's rings. Diffraction. We use an enormous range of radio wavelengths in our modern communication systems. The wavelength of the VLF or the very low frequency radio waves that are used for maritime distress signals and AM radio can be as long as 100 kilometers. The wavelength of the EHF that is the extremely high frequency radio waves used with the high speed digital communication links with satellites is only 1 millimeter. The longest waves are not very directional. The waves spread out in all directions and they are able to pass quite effectively around obstacles such as hills and buildings because of their long wavelength. This spreading of waves is known as diffraction and is more pronounced for longer electromagnetic waves. It is diffraction that allows mobile telephones to work even when there is no line of sight, transmission path between the mobile phone and the base station. The short wavelength, microwave, end of the radio spectrum is less prone to diffraction. High frequency microwave links used by TV companies for outside broadcast, for example, have to have line of sight between transmitter and receiver. A way of explaining diffraction of waves is known as Huygens construction. Consider a plane wave approaching a gap, that is an aperture. The line or surface along which the wave disturbance has the same phase at all points, we call it a wavefront. Christian Huygens suggested that each point on a wavefront could be thought of as a point source of a new wave. Each of these new waves, called secondary wavelets, spreads out and overlaps with the other secondary wavelets. The new wavefront is formed by the constructive interference of all the secondary wavelets. As a plane wave passes through an aperture, the spreading of the new wavelets causes diffraction. Now, let's look at a couple of questions on this basic idea of diffraction. So, diffraction occurs with longitudinal waves as well as transverse waves. One of the ways in which people can work out the direction of a sound wave is because of the shadowing effect of the head. The ear that is further from the sound is effectively blocked by the head. This method is much more successful at high frequencies. People find it more difficult to locate the source of low frequency sounds. Explain why this is. Second question. Why is it that houses in the shadow of a hill get poor TV reception but can still get good radio reception? Now note that TV transmission is typically at 600 megahertz while the medium wave radio is transmitted at a frequency of around 1000 kilohertz. Now let's look at the phenomena of diffraction of light through a narrow slit. Light waves can also be diffracted, yet the effects are not noticeable in everyday situations because the wavelength of light is so short between 400 and 700 nanometer. It is only when the obstacles or apertures are almost as small as the wavelength that the diffraction effects become apparent. When light is allowed to pass through very small slit, 
we can see the light spreading out into the region where we would expect to see only shadow. But this is not the only effect. A series of light and dark fringes become visible. These are similar to the interference fringes from two slits. But here there is only one source of light. What is causing the interference? The answer is that the secondary wavelets from different parts of the slit are interfering with each other. In some directions they act constructively and a bright fringe is formed. In other directions the secondary wavelets are out of phase and the net effect is a dark fringe. In the direction given by the angle theta, there is a part difference of a by 2 sine theta between the wavelet that leaves from the edge of the slit 1 and the wavelet that leaves from the halfway across the slit 3. This path difference, if this path difference is equal to half a wavelength, the wavelets will cancel out and there will be an interference minimum. Here that means darkness. The wavelets from just above 1 will cancel with those just above 3 and so on. The same thing will happen when the path difference is 3 by 2 lambda, 5 by 2 lambda and so on. When the path difference is equal to a whole number of wavelengths, a maximum that is a bright fringe will appear. This gives rise to a diffraction pattern for a single slit. When a single slit is illuminated with white light, that is light that contains many different wavelengths, the diffraction pattern is more complex. The central, that is the zero order maximum, appears white since there is no phase difference between wavelets from different parts of the slit. However, the first secondary maximum occurs when the path difference between the wavelets from the edge and the middle of the slit is equal to a whole wavelength. This will be different for different colors of light. Violet is the shortest wavelength and so constructive interference will happen at a shorter path difference and hence smaller angle of deflection than for the other colors. This will be followed by blue and so on until the path difference is large enough for constructive interference to be seen in red light. Diffraction effects are always greater when the size of the obstacle or the aperture is of the same order of magnitude as the wavelength. Hence the narrower the slit through which light passes, the greater the diffraction. Now let's look at some questions. How would diffraction pattern in figure 19 differ if blue light were directed through the same slit? In the apparatus shown, a microwave transmitter operating at a frequency of 10 GHz is aimed at a gap between two metal plates. The plates are initially 30 cm apart. Describe what would you detect with a microwave probe moved through the line. The plates are moved closer together until the gap is only 3 cm. What would the microwave probe detect now? Here's a stretch question. So if you look at the interference pattern from two slits, interference between two slits should produce a set of equally spaced, equally bright fringes. But this is not the case. The bright fringes are not the same intensity and one or two seem to be missing altogether. Can you explain why the fringes of the two slits interference pattern are not equally bright? 
You might want to look at the interference pattern for the single slit earlier to get an idea of why this might be happening. Now let us look at diffraction and resolution. Diffraction of light passing through an aperture has important consequences. It sets a limit on the amount of detail that can be seen in an image. When light passes through the pupil of your eye, it is diffracted and forms a diffraction pattern on your retina. If you are looking at two light sources that are sufficiently close to each other, their diffraction patterns will overlap on your retina. And it is not possible for you to tell them apart. And we say that the objects are not resolved. The way to see greater detail, achieve greater resolution, is to use a camera or a telescope with a larger aperture so that diffraction is less of a problem. So remember that diffraction through an aperture causes the image of a point source of light such as a star to spread into a disk with fringes around. If two such images overlap, it may be impossible to distinguish the individual images. In other words, we cannot resolve the, them and the problem becomes even worse with smaller apertures. Let's look at the diffraction gratings. Much of our understanding of the composition and structure of stars and galaxies is based on the measurements of the light that they emit. Different atoms and molecules emit and absorb different frequencies of light. By studying the light emitted from a star, we can compare its spectrum with the spectrum from laboratory light sources. This tells us which elements are present in the star. The strength of the different spectral lines gives us the information on the star's temperature. If the spectral lines are gently slightly shifted compared to the laboratory light sources, we can infer that the star is moving relative to the Earth and we can work out its velocity. All this is done by using a diffraction grating to produce a spectrum. A diffraction grating is simply a set of many parallel thin slits achieved by etching parallel opaque lines on a sheet of transparent material, usually glass. As light waves pass through the grating, each slit causes diffraction. The waves from each slit overlap and interfere to give areas of constructive and destructive interference. In most directions, there is complete destructive interference and no light is transmitted. Constructive interference takes place in a few directions. In these directions, diffracted light beams occur. As in the diffraction pattern from a single slit, these diffracted beams are called the orders of diffraction. The direction of the diffracted beams is related to the spacing of the slits and the wavelength. This can be shown using the Huygens construction. We can use a simplified form of a diagram to derive an expression that will allow us to calculate the angles at which the bright maxima will occur. The straight through beam, that is theta equals zero degree, is formed as light from each slit arrives exactly in phase. There is no path difference at all and every wavelength will arrive in phase. The first order beam is formed in the direction in which adjacent slits have a path difference of a whole wavelength, lambda. These waves are therefore in phase. The second order beam is in a direction in which light from adjacent slits is two wavelengths out of phase. That is, the path difference is two lambda.
In general, the nth order light beam is at an angle theta to the original wavefront direction. Along this beam, waves from adjacent slits have a path difference of n lambda. We can relate this path difference to the distance between each slit, the grating spacing, represented by the small letter d, by looking for the central triangle. For the triangle, sine theta is opposite over hypotenuse, which gives us lambda n over d, which can then be written as d sine theta equals n lambda. This is known as the diffraction grating formula. So here is an worked example. So suppose that we use a diffraction grating with 400,000 lines per meter. We can use the expression n lambda equals d sine theta to calculate the wavelength of the light that gives a second order beam at an angle of 25 degrees. The grating spacing d is found from the reciprocal of the number lines per meter. In this case, d equals 1 over 400,000 per meter. That gives us 2.5 into 10 to the power minus 6 meters. Then using n lambda equals d sine theta, we find that 2 lambda equals 2.5 into 10 to the power minus 6 into sine 25 degrees, which gives the lambda or the wavelength to be equal to 530 nanometer. We can also use the diffraction grating formula to calculate how many diffracted beams would be visible. The value of sine theta cannot be bigger than 1, so the maximum value of n is given by n lambda equals d. So n, n is greater than or equal to lambda by d, then it gives us, putting in the values of lambda and d, we get 4.73. So the fourth order beam will be the last possible beam. And the total number of visible beams is therefore 4 plus 4 plus 1 equals 9. That is 4 orders on either side of the center plus the central maximum. Now when diffraction gratings are illuminated with light that is not monochromatic, white light for example, the constituent wavelengths that is colors are dispersed. Spectra can be seen on either side of the central maximum, which itself is the same mix of wavelength as the source. The spectra arise because the condition for constructive interference is that the path difference must equal an integral number of wavelengths, lambda, 2 lambda, 3 lambda, and n lambda. Since this is equal to d sine theta, each wavelength will show a constructive interference at specific values of theta. Diffraction gratings are used in spectrometers to produce spectra in chemical analysis. For example, and in astrophysics to investigate both the movement and the composition of stars and galaxies. They are also used in photography to create special effects. Gratings designed for analyzing ultraviolet, that is UV and infrared or IR radiations, are made from silicon rather than glass, since glass absorbs some wavelengths in the UV and IR regions of the spectrum. The diffraction gratings considered so far are transmission gratings, the light diffracts as it passes through them. It is also possible to const construct reflection gratings, which work on the same principle of constructive and destructive interference of diffracted, reflected beams. Let's look at some questions. When white light passes through a diffraction grating, most of the orders of diffraction are dispersed into different colors forming spectra. The central zero order beam is always white. Explain why this is so. 
Second, a diffraction grating has 200,000 lines per meter. How many diffracted beams will be visible if red light, which has the wavelength of 600 nanometer, is used to illuminate the grating? A compact disc can create a spectrum when it reflects white light. Explain how this happens. Now, if you look at the CD creating a spectrum, assuming the CD is acting as a diffraction grating, estimate the number of lines per millimeter. And try a DVD instead and comment on the difference. It should be possible to make a diffraction grating for sound waves. How would you go about this? What dimensions would such a grating have? And can you think of any applications for such a device? What effect would it have on a sound wave? Let's look at the X-ray diffraction. So beams of X-rays reflecting off planes of atoms in a crystal behave the same way as light at a diffraction grating. X-ray diffraction patterns are used to give information about the structure of crystalline materials. Dorothy Hodgkin extended the technique to organic molecules and her work revealed the structure of insulin, vitamin B12 and penicillin. It was later used by Rosalind Franklin in the work that led to the discovery of the structure of the DNA. So the key ideas in this section Diffraction is the spreading of waves after passing an obstacle or an aperture of a similar size to a wavelength into the region of geometrical shadow. The diffraction of light through a small gap produces several intensity maxima. The central maximum is twice as wide and many times more intense than the others. The smaller the gap, the wider the central maximum and the more the spread out the diffraction pattern. The longer the wavelength of the waves incident on the gap, the greater the angle at which constructive interference occurs. A diffraction grating consists of many slits separated by a distance d, and it gives rise to several orders of diffraction, so where n equals 0, plus minus 1, plus minus 2, plus minus 3, and so on, which are at angles theta given by d sine theta equals n lambda. Now, you will also have to do an experiment in which you investigate the interference effects um, for Young's double slit experiment and interference by diffraction grating. And the aim of these experiments would be to first observe interference fringes from two light sources and use the relationship W equals lambda capital D by S. And second, to investigate the effect of multi-slit interference, including the diffraction grating. Now, these practicals would give you an opportunity to show that you can, number one, use appropriate analog apparatus to record a range of measurements and to interpolate between scale markings. Number two, use methods to increase accuracy of measurements. Number three, use calipers to measure small distances, including vernier scales. And number four, use a laser to investigate characteristics of light, including the interference and diffraction. Now, the first practical involves Young's double slit experiment. Um, that is two source interference effects. So Thomas Young managed to demonstrate these effects using a candle. Fortunately, we now have lasers. Laser light is monochromatic and differs from other light sources in that the photons are released by a process of stimulated emission. This means that the monochromatic light from the laser is effectively one long wave trend with a constant phase. 
Lasers are therefore ideal for showing interference effects with visible light. Laser does present some safety issues, however, especially to eyesight. A laser beam diverges very little, which means the intensity of the beam does not decrease with distance. Intensity is the energy per second per unit cross-sectional area of the beam, measured in watt per meter square. A high-intensity laser beam entering the eye, which tends to focus the beam to even smaller area, will damage the retina, possibly creating blind spots. Lasers are classified according to the risk they present. Class 1 lasers are inherently safe because they are either low power or enclosed, such as the one used in a DVD player. Lasers in a clue school laboratory are class 2. These are low power, less than 1 milliwatt visible lasers. They are not intrinsically safe, so care needs to be taken to prevent the laser beam entering the eye either directly or by reflection. Class 2 lasers need not carry the warnings shown. High power lasers need to be used in controlled rooms and protective goggles need to be worn. These are not permitted in schools. Now, laser beams are used to monitor the position of lunar orbiter. Each beam diverges to a diameter of 3 km by the time it gets to the moon, that is 400,000 km away. Calculate the angle of divergence of the laser beam, assuming that it starts from a point. Give your answer in radians and degrees. Number 2. Infrared razors may be more damaging to your eye than visible lasers. Suggest why this might be. And number 3. When using a laser in an interference experiment, why is it a good idea to use a matte screen to form your interference fringes on? Now let's look at the techniques. Two coherent sources of light can be formed by shining laser light through the double slits. It is important to make sure that both slits are illuminated. The resulting interference pattern is set of equally spaced bright fringes. The fringe separation W can be found by measuring the width of several fringes. Vernier calipers can be used to measure W. The distance from the slits to the screen D can be measured with a meter ruler. The separation of the slits, S, is usually given but could be measured using a traveling microscope. The equation W equals lambda D by S can be used to find the wavelength of the laser light. Where W is the separation of the fringes, lambda gives the wavelength of the laser light and the capital D gives the distance from the double slits to the screen and S is the separation of the splits. So some questions for this part. If the slits are separated by 0.25 millimeter and the screen is two meters away, the fringes would be about five millimeters apart. Calculate the wavelength of the laser light. Estimate the uncertainty associated with this answer and how would you be able to reduce the uncertainty? Now, practical two has, is about the study of interference by diffraction grating. The apparatus involves, again, some of the stuff that we used before. However, if the number of slits is increased from two to three, and then from three to four and so on, but the slit separation and the width of each slit is kept constant, the interference maxima become brighter and sharper. A coarse, transmission diffraction grating has up to about 100 lines per millimeter and the resulting interference pattern is a series of bright lines or dots. 
fine diffraction gratings could have as many as 6000 lines per millimeter. The maxima bright dots will be much further apart than those produced by the coarse grating. The techniques involved here are going to be the interference pattern from a diffraction grating can also be used to measure the wavelength of the light. Rearranging the diffraction grating equation n lambda equals d sine theta gives us sine theta equals n multiplied by the ratio of lambda by d. The angle theta can be found for each bright maximum and then sine theta plotted against n. The order of the maximum. A graph of sine theta on the y-axis against n on the x-axis should be a straight line with a gradient equal to lambda by d. The best way to find theta is to find tan theta, which can be measured as the x by d, where x is the distance along the screen from the central maximum, that is n equals 0, to the maximum, and capital D is the distance from the grating to the screen figure, and then theta equals tan inverse of x by d.